0: I would just just get started and like think of start something small that sounds fun to build. That's um, that would feel a little bit rewarding and not aim for the moon and try to build some massive thing right off the bat. Just have fun with it. And in that process, I I remember I was in one of these meetings with a guy. I drove two hours to this meeting and he was super helpful. And one of the things he was like, "Hey, look, I need." some leads of this, like these particular types, types of leads for this. Can you get it for me? And I was like, I will figure it out. What are some of the uh, biggest challenges you see developers
1: face? Welcome to another episode of the Iowa's Dev Podcast. In this episode, we had Mac Martin join the show. Mac is a developer who's been indie hacking for years and has successfully exited from two of his companies. In this episode, we talked about the struggles and what it takes to build a SaaS company and much more. I hope you guys enjoy. What are some of the uh, biggest challenges you see developers facing at the moment who are trying to build SaaS companies?
0: Oh, that's interesting. Um, You know, the first thing that pops into my mind is like, well, I see people, a lot of of people, I'm on Twitter. Fairly active on Twitter, and I see people Mm -hmm. debating like, "What do I use? What should I build my next app with?" And I have been doing this for a long time. And I, in like 2007 or something, started with Ruby on Rails, Mm -hmm. and so I still use that for pretty much everything. Every once in a while, I have a fresh uh, product I'm going to try. I'm like, I'm going to use JavaScript or Node or you know some other thing, and for a minute, I think I'm like, this is super cool. And then I just realized I am just not as fast as I want to be with this. So I'm one of those guys, like, I know what works for me and I just keep Mm -hmm. doing that. And so I don't even really pay that much attention to what's going on. Mm -hmm. But on Twitter, I do see a lot of people asking, like, what should I use? What's the coolest thing or what's the best thing? Or my answer is like, whatever works for you, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. if you don't know something, I don't know, pick something. Um, But when you ask that question, my initial reaction is actually like, man, it's like so much easier now like there's all these like starter kits and things like what do they call them uh yeah whatever. like templates like, yeah yeah just like basically like like full-on apps where it's got all the authentication and the users and like mm-hmm. everything you can and spilling and whatever everything in there and so you basically have like this full-on framework right off the yeah. bat i'm like man, that removes a lot of the challenges because so much of the time is spent at least and the web apps, this type of stuff I'm doing is like hmm. just that crap that you have to do every single time. Uh, and when
1: when did that uh when did that change? Is that that's recent then? Like having so much resources out there
0: thanks to like the internet and I think that it's a couple things maybe. I mean, I there's been so boilerplate's the word I was looking for. I mean there's some of these ah, yeah. these things have been out forever and some of them are like crazy complex where it's like, you know, the command line where you can choose all these different things, all the different paths and Stuff. and i think now they're getting simpler um and so i think uh, maybe two things that come to mind and one is just like yeah over over time people have built enough apps and they're just like hey maybe i can repurpose this thing but i think hmm. a lot of it is like a lot of people that i know build are building a lot of apps right it's not just like i'm gonna build one thing i'm gonna spend 10 years on it and go all in on it it's like i'm gonna try a whole bunch of shit and see what works and um so it's these things that you keep reusing all the time. And so now all of a sudden it's just like these boilerplates and these kits get like really good and concise. And yeah, mm-hmm. some of them are super opinionated, but now there's so many of them because people are just using them so much. Right. So like you can yeah. launch a new app a week if you have this, all that stuff already done.
1: Dang. Wait. So given, given that there's so many like resources and like boilerplates, what's is the toughest part then? like finding, I guess finding like a market, right. Or like a product and market fit
0: yeah yeah i mean a lot of people struggle with the idea just like finding an idea i think a lot of people sort of overvalue the idea because a lot of times i mean i've been saying this a lot lately which is like if ideas on their on their own were super valuable there would be a marketplace for them like there'd be a place you could go buy an idea but like the idea on its own isn't significantly valuable Mm -hmm. one idea can be given to a hundred people and they're all going to get totally different results with it because it's how you execute and how you you know, build the product and how you find customers and figure out who to get it in front of. So, I mean, you know, it's a combination of a, a number of things, but I think it's like, yeah. um, part of it is just hustle. Like how, how willing are you to get out there and talk mm-hmm. to people? Um, but also, yeah, I mean, just everything from how, how you go about building the product, are you talking to people to know what to put in it? And then how are you like a lot of coder a lot of developers that's all they want to do is code and they get to yeah. they're like, oh, yeah. man, this is hard i'm gonna go move on to this next thing the next <laughs> these, yeah. right so yeah. i mean that's the i mean so it depends on your personality if you're like a coder and that's what you want to be doing your biggest challenge is going to be getting in front of people for sure oh. Um and, and I,
1: is that yeah. something that you worked up to or were you always good at that
0: no, no. I uh I don't I still don't know if I'm good at it. I, I mean I was I consider myself having been successful at it at least once. Um but that is really the biggest difference when I look at the differentiator in uh all the things that I've built, which is a like a lot of stuff. Um and and like really the how, one that I don't How like, many do
1: you know? <laughs> do,
0: I have a list have count- I try to like I have a list that I I've just recently been going back and like adding to it as I think of something new I mean there's probably 20 something things on there but there's probably another 20 something that I've forgotten about Mm -hmm. um I don't a lot of times I just delete them or I've lost hard drives and things like over the years I just I don't I don't No real point Mm -hmm. in keeping them around so I'm trying to go back through and, and find them but yeah I mean it's a lot and some of them I spent like a few hours on or days and then for one reason or another moved on to the next thing and some things mm-hmm. I've spent years on. So yeah, the the biggest differentiator between when I look at ha- what I did differently with the apps that I've been successful with and I mean on different levels there there's one that I was significantly more successful with than the rest. And uh, the whole the biggest difference is talking to customers on day 1 and like or before day 1. C- talking to people before writing any code. Uh and all uh, many of the other ones were just me having an idea or someone telling me something and then just building it and then Mm -hmm. figuring out later why it wasn't going to work or why (laughs) I wasn't the one to be doing it or, you know, so it can be anything from like, I'm, I realize I'm building something for salons and I know nothing about salons or how to get in front of salons. And I don't want to go talk to a bunch of salons. So then I'm like, ah, screw that. What's the next, you know? So over time, you know, sometimes we can like, read a list of what someone suggests we pay attention to, but sometimes you also just have to kind of learn it. And so for me, a lot of it was like, what kind of people can I get in front of? What am I, what what am I willing, who am I willing to get in front of and who am I able to get in front of? Uh,
1: So is that like a filter that you kind of uh, built up now too, where like, if you have a new idea, you kind of put it through that filter? For
0: sure. It all comes down to like, who, who is it? Well, being able to define who, the target audiences. Right. So like, I'm doing that with one of my products now that I haven't launched and I'm like, well, I'm trying to start with the hard stuff first, which is like, who exactly am I targeting? Okay. Probably like early-ish stage founders, but like more specifically because there's a ton of those and like, how do I, you know, so, um, just trying to very clearly define that. And, you know, with that tell makes it a lot easier for me to know, who to go, like, if I'm going to Google who I'm going to go talk to, like, it makes it a lot easier if I know very specifically. Uh, And then I can learn their language and speak and ask questions specific to them, right? And then as soon as as I get to know them really well, all the language and messaging I've heard from them is going to translate very well to other people that fit the same sort of profile. And so it sort of writes my messaging and everything becomes a lot easier.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, So, yeah, I mean, because if you don't like i mean i get a lot of people i have a newsletter and uh, on twitter i get a lot of people reaching out and like asking like telling me what i think asking me what i think of their idea and i'm just like don't ask me ask the people <laughs> yeah. that you're trying to talk to right and like
1: oh yeah, yeah rest-
0: like- we email three of them yeah. email 10 of them and see if you can get any responses like that's the very first thing before you even figure out anything else so yeah. because a lot of times we do think about like oh yeah i'll be i'll figure out how to get in front of them later i'll figure that out later and then you get to that point and you're like this is hard. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I can just send out a bunch of cold emails into the void, but it doesn't really work that way.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like even for some of the projects I think about building, like having the, like knowing the problem you're solving and like the target, those are like the two main things I think about. Yeah. And
0: who do you build for? Like what who do I build
1: for? Uh, mostly just iOS apps. Okay. Yeah. But in early, what was it? Early this year, I tried to build like a, a, what's it called an AI editor Uh since I I do podcasting and like a bunch of video content. So I wanted to create like an AI editor, but I kind of uh, put that aside because um, I was the technology I was using is not as advanced as like some of the other competitors and I didn't really have a market for it. Like it was just building it to solve my problem.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know it, for anyone that's active on Twitter in, especially in like the kind of creator space, there are a lot of people building products for that audience. And so this mm. is like, you know, there's this whole building in public movement and yeah. people like doing this stuff on Twitter and it can be super valuable. It Not always, but a lot of times They're building for sort of the same audience, which, so it works beautifully because it's like, yeah, if you're talking to other creators on Twitter and then you ship a boilerplate for building apps fast, it's like, yeah, everyone's Mm going to want it. It's great. Uh, But as soon as it becomes like, I'm building something for salons, building in public Mm -hmm. on Twitter isn't going to do me as much good. So
1: Yeah, because you're like, the, the audience isn't there for it. Right. Right. Yeah. And uh, would you agree that the market has gotten very saturated in terms of like people trying to build SaaS products?
0: I think, I think, yes. I mean, it's much, there are a lot more of us doing it. And I was just talking to some people actually on Twitter, uh, about kind of what I call like the good old days. Like this is <laughs> good old days right now too. But like 2007, 2008, 2009, when this stuff was really early, when people like People have been making money online since, you know, I don't know, late 1990s probably or something, but then it just like gradually gets more and more common and like in the 2000s, 2005, 2007, 2010, it was starting to get more common for sure. But I don't know, I've just been there for a lot of it and uh, was really just thinking back the other day about how, how many more people are doing this, how much more common it is. Part of that is, People earlier on, it used to just be all about startups and raising money. And it just like, it was like, you had this sort of view of, of it. And you kind of viewed of like starting a business and it, you had this view of like raising money and building a startup. Yeah. Oh, yeah. it's like this whole view of not raising money or bootstrapping, <laughs> and you're doing it all on your own and you ship mm-hmm. it in like days or weeks and you just keep doing it. Yeah. Uh, so it's very different. There are a lot more people, but what I also think is interesting is that like there there doesn't seem to be an end to the things people come up with building that are valuable, you know? So, I mean, it's hard to say in some ways it seems harder, but I don't know if it actually is. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there's yeah that's interesting so to many, think about, right? Like, is yeah. it
1: harder or is it not? harder?
0: <laughs> it's definitely gotten easier to build yeah. Yeah, again, that, the app because again, weatherplace and all these this technology and no code and all this stuff. It's like, Build a pretty cool app in mm. no time, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. There are a lot of other people doing it too. Yeah. But you know, I don't know if you go on Indie Hackers, you can look at all the uh, products that people can basically tell what they're building, and they can put their make their revenue public and all this stuff. And mm. there's like I don't thousands and thousands of things on there now. And I went, I spent a long couple hours the other day just like going, scrolling through them, starting, like it's mm-hmm. sorted by like gener- most rev, most MRR, most monthly recurring revenue. And I went like from the top down to like, I don't know, five or 10,000 bucks a month. And it took me hours and it's just, I was doing it to basically just like, see all the different niches that people mm-hmm. come up with. And there's some themes, there are some common things, but there's also some like yeah. crazy niches. And so like, when I see that, uh, I think, I think maybe what it is now is you have to think a little more out of the box, a little more, like find a little bit of a different angle.
1: Yeah. Like uh, be a little bit more creative.
0: Yeah. Or just like find a different niche, like find yeah. something that not everyone is doing, like for a long time, everyone used to build like a bug tracker. And now there's about a lot of people.
1: It's like AI stuff now. Is that a like lot the... of AI
0: stuff now? A lot of <laughs> AI stuff. And there's probably still a lot of space for that. I don't know, but
1: yeah. Yeah. The other probably is. So how was indie hacking back in like the 2000s?
0: I kind of feel like, I don't know, for me, similar. The biggest difference is there wasn't like this massive community. Mm-hmm. Of people doing it. Like now I've got microconf. I go to uh, this conference, you know, and I can be around a bunch of people doing the same thing. I can be on Twitter and find a bunch of people doing the same thing. And I can just everywhere find people doing the same thing if I want. Uh, back then, it wasn't that way. I mean, there were little... Things there were site there were forums and some things, but it was very different. Um, and so I feel like it was maybe a little low, like in a sense lonelier, but also like almost like the sky is the limit, like just like s- like such an open field. And you looking back, it's like man, I should I could have like picked anything almost, and like could have done pretty yeah. well, right? Um, but we didn't know where it was going. So I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer I mean, I think at and, the time I feel like almost now there's I'll almost see more opportunities simply because I see so many people doing well with it. A lot of people hmm. don't figure it out, but a lot of people do hmm. and think, wow, like there's no end to the idea. I think at the time at the no end to like the limit, how many ideas that you can be successful with. Yeah, I think at the time I didn't, um, quite realized that I probably was,
1: was it like a hobby or
0: for me you get into, uh, hacking? Yeah. Um, so I remember in, so I'm dating myself, but in, uh, October of 2000, I graduated. Well, I graduated high school college right before that. And I got a job at Adobe and, the, that was like the end of the dot-com boom. Like things were just crazy. Oh, yeah. I got this job, I was like an environmental studies major. So I had I knew nothing really about like <laughs> computer, except I, for that last year of my college, literally like, that was when I started to like mess around more on the computer it was like design stuff. And then, uh, for anyone that was around in the days like Macromedia flash, like that was big then. And so I was like it was like design and then I started making websites and then I wanted to make the websites do more stuff with like flash. You could do animations and things were getting fancier and mm. stuff like that. So I just wanted to be able to do that. And so I taught myself to code and then I just oh. knew, I don't know. I think I knew from an early age, I wanted to run, like create my own business in some mm. sense. I wanted to have control of my life, sort of my goal. Um, yeah. And so I, I just was like, f- was tinkering from like, since, 2000, 2001, as soon as I had that job at Adobe, I, was, I loved that job and it was great. And I sta- ended up staying here for 11 years. Um, but the whole time, the whole time, nonstop, I was tinkering, building stuff and, you know, just um, trying to figure out, just like starting to see people make money offline or mm-hmm. online. And I, the very first thing I remember, and I don't know what year I saw it, but it was like probably right around then 2001 or something. It's actually still up. This guy, I think his name is Scott Matthews, put up, it was called Andromeda and it's a MP3 player, but it's just a script. It was a, AS, you could buy it in PHP or ASP and you would just buy the script and you would take the script and you'd put it on your hard drive and point it to your MP3 folder and it would open on, and you could open it in the browser and, play your MP3s. It was like the one of the first MP3 players I remember seeing. And I was like, this is amazing. This is like, I can play my MP3s in this nice little player. But like, that's when it all starts. like, man, I don't remember how much he charged for yeah. it. Like, I don't know, 50 bucks or something. but I just remember like, wow, this guy just sat and wrote his code, some code, just like I do every night and weekend. And, and he's charging money for it. I have no idea how well he's doing, but this is super cool. And that was just like, this is it. Like, this is it. And yeah. things change. And then over time, Somehow discovered SaaS and just finding more and more people doing it online. And yeah. It was just an evolution.
1: Yeah. And the uh, the turning point, I think like you mentioned earlier was um, in your like SaaS and like indie hacking uh, journey was kind of uh, thinking more about like the business side where you're like talking to customers and doing like market research.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for a long time, I was just like trying to come up with some idea that had something to do with my hobbies, which, you know, they've also evolved over the time, but like music or playing in bands or riding my bike or hiking or any of these things. Yeah. And I never really found an app that I could reasonably do on my own that could, I thought could generate money. And so, and then I picked something in the, um, I used the spa example before, because that <laughs> from experience, I, built When my my first real SaaS I built was, uh, in I started it in like 2010 I think, and it was an appointment scheduling app. And I really like it's so I had nothing I didn't care anything about it. I think I just was like trying to come up with something, and I was like, oh, this is a massive market. I just need a tiny piece of this. I'm just going to build this, and I just spent forever on it. And then I building it, and then I realized like I can't market. I sold like two. I got like two customers. For And it was a lot of work to get those two people um and anyway so i just then i went on and tried to build more things that were you know Mm. close to my heart or something that i would use and i just couldn't you know i mean i generated a little bit of money here and there from those things but finally i was like screw this i'm just gonna go talk i'm gonna go to where the money is i'm gonna go talk to like i'm just gonna go talk to people with no you know not worrying about the outcome or what it's going to be i'm just going to start talking to people so i reached out uh, starting with people that I knew uh, that were higher up in a company or that ran a company or an agency or something. And I was just like, I'm just going to go talk to people that have like decision-making power and some thing, the people that know me. And so I reached out to like five or 10 of them or something. And I, they were all local. I went to like local people and I would take them out for coffee and they all most pretty much everyone said yes. And so I just started asking them a series of questions like, you know, like, what's the worst part of your day? Like, what part of your work do you hate doing? What do you wish you didn't have to do? What's really time consuming? What is, you know, all these kinds of things. And really with no agenda other than to like figure out how I could make their day better, right? Or make something easier for them. And so just over time, I, uh this was like a process of maybe a few months, like not full time on it or anything, but like, I would go have some coffee with some people, come back figure out what was said, find a new batch, or maybe ask some of the same people again. And over time it was like, okay, salespeople, I'm gonna just keep, I'm gonna hone in on salespeople because they clearly, um, they're like more than willing to talk to me. They have money and they're not afraid to write a check or pay for things. They're not afraid to pay for tools because um, they know they can turn around and make money off it. Um, and then I got, I narrowed it down further to lead generation and and in that process, I, I remember I was in one of these meetings with a guy, I drove two hours to this meeting and, uh, he was super helpful. And one of the things he was like, Hey, look, I need some leads of this, like these particular types, types of leads for this. Can you get it for me? And I was like, I will figure it out. And it was like pretty (laughs) complicated. I can't remember exactly, but it was like people that, you know, companies that use Gmail that, something that hotel hospitality and the, whatever. but it was like a series of things, a number of things that were like fairly complicated. And I was like, I don't, I'm not really what I'm trying to do, but I'm going to do this because maybe this will turn into a product. Maybe there's a product here. And so, but I just remember, I was like, let me go home and just make sure I can figure it out. Cause it was like a matter of writing scripts to like go out and do all this crap. And I figured it out and I was like, yeah, I can do it. And he's like, so, and he sent me 4,500 bucks, like, just like no problem at all. And I was like, okay sales teams are cool to (laughs) sell like that was super easy that was like the easiest 4,500 bucks I've ever made I mean it took me a little work it was probably like a few days work for me to like write these scripts to do it um just that anyway kind of rambling that's a really good example that's a really good
1: example yeah
0: yeah I mean I I kept going on with those conversations and then um honed in on the idea and I wrote I, I stopped talking to people and I started coding and four four weeks of coding and I launched it and then started swiping cards and it just went from there. So, so
1: the, the product you made was, um, related to lead generation.
0: Yeah. That one was a LinkedIn automation tool that basically there's a bunch of them now, but in 2018, when I started this, there weren't, I mean, there was like one other one that I was aware of, but you can basically put in types of people that you want to target and it can, uh, send connection requests with messages and templated messages and things like that. Wow. So, uh,
1: and that you built that in four weeks and after like, was it
0: a big splash at launch or how was that? Uh, it was enough to know that I was onto something, you know, I, um, like it, by this time I had talked to a lot of people. And so I had a lot of people that knew what I was, working on or you know. So I had a lot of people I could reach out to and they just incrementally started um signing up and paying and then talking to people. They were quickly talking to people about it. Um and so I was actually just looking recently at like some of my I was writing some articles on how I got my first like five customers and then up to 50 customers and so on. And so I was looking at the receipts and stuff. And early on there were some referrals um and this what this wasn't yeah so anyway it it was enough i mean i had to like keep developing and i think i had to rebuild some things but it, i had proven that there was value there and that it was worth me putting more yeah. time into it so it just kept going up
1: yeah and then what um is is that one of the ones you exited from
0: that is yeah it is
1: uh, and how did you, well, I'm guessing you went into it, like knowing you wanted to exit it. Was that the goal
0: or? <clears throat> no. Well, no, I didn't think I would want, to. I don't know that I had really thought about it much to be honest yeah. with you. Um, what I was always looking for is like a, a lifestyle business, something where I had control of my time and I could mm-hmm. work when and where I wanted to, that was always sort of the, the goal and to just like make a comfortable living. Um, and. You know i think it for a while i was really enjoying it and then it just um it just kept growing 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 which was great but it got to this point where i was just totally maxed out and i couldn't um i just got to the point where i either needed to hire people or sell it and it happened really quickly as far as like having to make that decision i was just like i am done i i like i'm i'm totally maxed out uh and so i uh, called a broker that I had heard about um, some other friends of mine had used. And so I called them one morning and they gave me a ballpark estimate of what they thought I could get. And I just decided to move forward with it. Right. Uh, but basically I, I wanted a, a lifestyle business. So I had no, you know, I don't know that I knew that it was going to do as well as it did. And so I don't know how much I had thought about it, but I think going into all of it was always just, I want to be able to generate enough money to have a comfortable life and live and work where I want. Um, and it just kept growing and it was great, uh, financially and it was great mm. lifestyle wise for, for a while. Uh, and then it just got to the point where I, I don't think I realized how the stress was getting to me after mm. like looking back now. I'm like, man, that was too much. Um, but you know, I mean, I had a lot of people, a lot like it's a pretty sensitive product, like, meaning if stuff goes wrong, people notice right away and it can go wrong in a pretty bad way. And so there was a lot of pressure for me to be responsive and to be available at any time. And no one knew the code, but me and to the learning curve to get someone else to do it was a lot. Uh, And so I just, I don't know. I, I also remember like, I'm not one to just like do the feature race and keep adding features and adding features. It would take a lot for me to add a new feature after a while. Like I I would need to know that it's really going to move the needle and a lot of people are going to use it. So it wasn't like I was constantly developing and I would have, I would have periods of time where I didn't have much to do at all, but then and it was just you bad, on the team, it would right? Go, it, would be, it was just me. Yeah. I, and I had a few resellers, I had other people that were reselling the tool for me and they would do like a first level of support, but when it came to anything technical or anything business-wise, it was on me. And so I would have to be ready. It didn't matter where I was or what, what time it was. If something went technically wrong, it was on me. It got to be so just too much. And so part of it was like, even if I didn't have anything that I had to be doing at the time, I didn't know when that would change. Like, so Mm. I would have this anxiety every time my email on my phone would ding, which is like, Oh my God, what is it? So I just got to this point where I was like, I either need to hire people, hire someone or, or sell Mm. it. And I had just been to a micro conference and, uh, had heard people talking about a broker they had used. And so I just called broker and, just got a loose number of what they thought I could get. And mm. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so, I mean, then mm. it was a little process after that, but that was really like, there was not a lot of thinking of like debating selling it, it really almost, at least looking back, it felt like it was like, no, I'm fine. I'm going to keep running this thing to like, crap. I got to do something, you know, I could, I could have hired people, but i never hired people. And again, the learning curve of that was, mm. felt like a lot. And then i was like man keeping up with like i probably waited too long i should have hired someone earlier really yeah because it was at the point where i was like i have to de- i'm gonna have to deal with all the stuff i have to deal with now and get someone up to speed and that's gonna be too much yeah that's how the that's how it went yeah
1: so now when you because are you still looking to like build your own um SAS or are you more focused on like the uh the bootstrappers
0: yeah. So I have a newsletter called the SAS bootstrapper, which is a lot of just sharing my story and, mm. and things that I've learned and what I'm doing now. Um, most of the time I'm talking about what I've learned. I don't talk a lot about what I'm doing now and there too much yet, but, mm. um, I also have another SAS app with a co-founder. This one my last one was all just me and this one, I have a co-founder. Um, and then I, I'm trying to do, more things now like multiple mm-hmm. things at a time and trying to like not spread myself too thin but so i have one sas app uh with a co-founder that's profitable but still fairly early stages mm-hmm. and then i have another one that i'm about to launch on my own that is just mm-hmm. like a byproduct of that it's something i built for myself mm-hmm. and i'm like maybe someone else will use it and yeah. then um i'm trying to do a little less coding I still enjoy it, but I'm trying to do kind of less of it and do a little more marketing because I'm finding enjoyment in that. And so, recently, been talking to uh, a friend of mine who's actually in Poland, who is a developer, and so we're in the process of uh, something else too. So, yeah, just trying to keep busy with different things. It's fun to yeah. switch, switch it up. And how do, how do you um? How do you learn
1: and like, or improve your marketing as a developer? Because I've, I've noticed, and even with myself, that's something that developers struggle with a lot.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah. I was reminding myself of this this morning. It's something I say, I've said to others that I have to not forget is marketing is super hard and it sucks. It's something that a lot of us don't want to do. But once you figure it out, because I feel like early, like at the beginning, it's just like, you got to try a whole bunch of things, like just all these things. And it can be overwhelming, but once you figure out something that works, it becomes super fun. Of course. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, wow, this is it. This is working. This is generating momentum. This is generating customers and revenue. Um, So I also think it very much depends, you know, how you your question is like, how do you get better at? How do you learn? I mean, I think really only by doing, um, and from there, it depends on, I think a lot of it is like knowing yourself and knowing what you like and what you're good at and Uh, what makes you procrastinate. Um, (laughs) because for example, like some, someone asked me the other day, they're like, do you think, you know, building an audience first is important? Like, do you think you need to do that? Like, not if that's not your jam, like, uh, not that like, we only do things that we enjoy, you know, it's not like we can always enjoy every minute of it, but it's like figuring out where you'll, you're more willing to do the work is really yeah. a powerful thing to know. Like if you're really, if you really enjoy to write, mm-hmm. then maybe SEO or, or other content stuff. If you don't like to write and you like to tweet and you're on Twitter, then maybe building an audience on Twitter or Whatever, so that stuff all you know it 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 depends, and then the context of the actual product very much depends right like where are the people that you're targeting so for me, right now, it's a lot of different types of social they're not like like reddit can be good for certain things um Twitter can be good for certain things, indie hackers can be good for certain it just dep- but it, depends so it' always
1: yeah, it, it depends targeting.
0: right, yeah. I think it does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, LinkedIn can be great. Yeah. I mean, some people are having a lot of success, just engaging a lot on LinkedIn. Um, But the same people might not do well on Twitter as in they might not like Twitter or they just might not be successful there because of what they're talking about. Um, So the, the context matters and also like how, um, uh, what's the word? Not vulnerable, really, but like, how just like dirty? Dirty is not the word either, but like how just like willing to like, um, like how hard of a skin you have, I guess, how thick your skin is. Oh right? yeah, how yeah, like, thick your skin is. Yeah. Some some things like like cold email can be really scary for some people, right? Because like, oh, I don't want to like be looks like the guy that's spamming or that sent like pisses people yeah. off or this uh, like some people just will not I, i'm all I, I can be one of those right too with like cold email mm-hmm. like I, i'm hesitant i don't love it um just because i don't like getting cold emails generally but mm-hmm. the people that do it can do really well so if you find yourself like trying to do cold email but you're like procrastinating and you're not really doing it mm-hmm. it's time to look at that and maybe figure out like what are your strengths? What, what will you do? Or can you find a way to get over that?
1: Yeah. So. Yes, yeah, that's, that's very true. My, my approach, um yeah. kind of building an audience and podcasting is something I have experience with before and also YouTube. So I kind of brought those skills together to like build uh, this current podcast and my YouTube channel.
0: That's really smart. And I think, I mean, I had a podcast for a while in 2016, 2017. Yeah, I saw. That was like the, probably the, I feel like it was the best thing I did for myself and for my career. And I think I wish I had start kept it going. Um, but yeah, like building an audience is a really great way. I mean, it's so great for so many things because like the, the relationships you develop and the, uh, the people view you as like a expert Mm -hmm. in whatever it is you're talking about very quickly. It doesn't take long. Mm -hmm. Um, but also just like, I feel like immersing yourself with the people. I mean, in my case, for the podcast that I created, it was really just an excuse to like talk to people that I wanted to talk to. And by asking them to be on the podcast, they rarely would say no. And so I got to then ask them any questions I wanted. And so just like being around that (laughs) energy of like, That I think is super valuable. It's like they say, "You're the average of the five people you're around the most." And I Mm. view it very similar to that. It's like, yeah, you know,
1: yeah, that's true. Yeah, and that's something I enjoy. You, I get like it's really cool that I get to talk to people from all different backgrounds and people with like so much experience, and just like learn valuable insights and lessons from them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that and another like big one, this might sound, <laughs> I don't know how this comes across, but I i felt like for me to, <clears throat> with the podcast, but also like a lot of like just immersing myself in the startup world, like kind of looking around and just being like, there's some really smart people here, but there's really, they don't really have anything I don't have.
1: Mm. So in a
0: sense, it gave me confidence yeah. that like, <laughs> it's not like some like, some like, crazy genius person mm. that it has to be to, to do this kind of thing. It's like, mm. and there's, they're really smart. There are like some mm. not very smart people that do well and some really smart people that don't do well and all in between. And so it's, it's just like, it's kind of just the grit. I have the grit. I'm willing to do it. I want, I mm. want to figure it out. I'm determined. And that's kind of what it takes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You were, yeah.
1: So you are saying it's kind of like a reminder of, um, like that we're all kind of human and, if you want to like reach some level of success, then you just have to like put in the work and and you can get there too.
0: I I think so, yeah. I mean, it's like if you've ever met any famous people, like I've met a few pretty famous people and just remember being like, they're just people. Like they're not <laughs> like, sure, maybe they're money or maybe they're great and they're talented and I'm not, not to discredit them or anything like that, yeah, but it's yeah. like, to just recognize that everybody is just human and like not that different from you mm. is confidence building. It's just like, I yeah. can do this too. I can't, it's not like I don't have to go get like three degrees and have 30 years experience or whatever. I don't have to have all that. I, yeah. you know, I can learn from them and I can, yeah. um, I can continue to grow and it might take me a little while, but there's no reason to think that, I'm not that kind of person and I can't <laughs> do it. And I need to go have some job that I hate or
1: whatever. Yeah. And, and from that, what, um, what advice would you have for somebody who's like very early in like, uh, their career as a developer, like maybe they're still like an aspiring developer and they're learning like online, maybe at a boot camp. What advice would you have for them if they want to get into like indie hacking and SaaS building?
0: I think just like having, keeping it fun and having fun with it. And, uh, you know, I have, I have two kids. I have two boys that are nine and 11 and the nine year old is, shows a lot of interest in coding. And he really, and not because of me, I don't think, but because of, uh, just the games he plays and things like that. He wants to be able to build something. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think about that and it's like, I've, tried to show him like little like show like written little like command line scripts and things like that and like he sort of enjoys that for a minute but really what he wants is to like build something a little more interactive he wants to build something that resembles his games a little bit more and so you know i've been struggling to try to figure out how to like help him learn in a way that would be fun to him but i think because you know he's a little too young to like really teach himself i mean he could probably watch some youtube videos and stuff but to anyone that is a little older and able to teach themselves, I would just just get started and like think of start something small that sounds fun to build. That's um, that would feel a little bit rewarding and not aim for the moon and try to build some massive thing right off the bat. And just have fun with it. And, yeah. You know, for me, I don't, this is another thing. Like, I don't know who I am to give advice to anyone about coding because my mm-hmm. code is like kind of crap. I just I know how to make stuff work quickly, (laughs) but like, (laughs) look at the code and be like, what, why didn't you do it this way? I don't, I just wanted to get it to work. I don't, but you know, I think, um, for me, I learn much better by building things like by actually building it, not by Mm -hmm. sitting there and doing a tutorial or like a class. That's just not the way my brain is, but if Mm -hmm. someone else's brain, so I don't, I don't. So if your brain is like mine, come up with some idea <laughs> of something that you think sounds fun to build and just yeah. start building as you go. And, you know, there's yeah. so many communities and online places to get support and help that. Yeah. thank you. Yeah. That's,
1: that's like the, like the best advice, right? Just because that's the way you really learn is like building like something on your own and you'll have like you'll learn yeah. like the problem solving, you'll have to figure out like um, solutions to the problems as they come up. And at the end, if you're successful, you, you've gained the knowledge and you actually have something built that'll boost your confidence for like the next.
0: Right. And you know, I, I think the, for me, this is all probably very subjective, but like for me, doing it really any other way is in like doing little tutorials and they're probably all, they're probably very valuable, but it almost starts to make you think like you need to memorize all these um, little methods and all these little calls and all the things about the language. And the reality is like, you really just need to be able to look it up Mm. or like know what you're looking for because there's so much, like this is why I hate, there's like any technical interview, I always can't stand because I don't remember so many of the so (laughs) basic things that I should probably remember, but I know I can look it up in Mm. a second and a half right? Yeah. It's not, I don't think it's that important to be able to, like, have all that stuff at the tip of your memory and mm-hmm. be able to pull it out. Probably maybe useful, but I don't yeah. think it's that valuable. I what mean, valuable it helps,
1: like, but it yeah, like it helps, but it's not the most important thing, right?
0: Right, yeah. So, I don't know. I'm opinionated yeah. there, but it also depends like what you do, what your goals are with the coding. I, I just, like, I'm fairly scrappy, and I just want to get things to work, and I know that I can uh improve them later if the business does well enough and it deserves to be revisited mm-hmm. uh, i just also know so many things get at least in what i do so much code just gets thrown away things get scrapped because of whatever doesn't make see the light of the day mm-hmm. right but if you're but if you're like building for some like massive if you're like you know working on some microsoft product or something it's probably a different philosophy there
1: yeah 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 There there might be some uh tech leads or very senior engineers yelling at, at what you're saying.
0: Yeah. They're not like right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, so a, it's, but it's true. It's like, yeah. that's a good point. It's a very different space. Like it's a very different, um, set of skills. It's a very different like set of development skills, right? Like there's like the super technical, like over architect, I say over architecting, but like, yeah. like. People that are really thinking through security and architecture, ready for scale and all this stuff, uh, and then there's just like, I just need to, I just need to get it working. It's a, it, it's a yeah. very different skill set, actually. Like the coding underneath is the same, but yeah. I know some coders that have a really hard time just being scrappy and getting stuff work. They can't help getting stuff working. They can't help but like, in my mind, over architecting for what we're trying to do. And similarly, you wouldn't want me working on some like highly sensitive thing that has to be you know bulletproof with no bugs or whatever like handling all the error use cases like that's not me i'm gonna do a terrible job with that.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i try to because um, right there that's like the, the the what's it called like the the trade-off between like speed and i guess the the other alternative is like um i don't know what you would call it um because um, not, not architecting yeah, or not, cool. not, not even not architecting, but like just moving quickly and not worrying too much about like being as clean or as architecturally um, sound. I don't know how you would uh, phrase it. Yeah. That's always the trade-off and it really just depends, like you said, on what you're trying to, to build for, like, what are you solving right. for? Yeah. Right. Yep. And since this is the iOS dev podcast, we can't, we can't leave off without talking about iOS. Have you ever, have you ever dabbled in it or thought about?
0: I have, it's, it's, (laughs) I'm not smart enough to do it. No, I, (laughs) I, I actually, uh, around 2007 ish, I did build a earth eight, I don't know, somewhere around there. Uh, I built a iPhone game. I called Word Tower, and then I got really mad because I, when I someone else made a game with the same name, but I thought it was like a <laughs> yeah. really cool idea, and it worked well. And I'm remembering like taking a bunch of my friends out to the bar, and I was like, "Drinks are on me." I want everyone to like install the app and just like test it. And, um, it was really fun, and it. I don't know. I made maybe. Maybe a thousand bucks off it, mm-hmm. um, and I think I threw a couple other apps up on the store, but I think that was the only one that made any money. But yeah, I just had a hard time with it. I mean, I guess I got good enough to like get a pretty. I feel I think it was like a fairly complex game working and in the store make some money. But yeah. and
1: and that was an was objective C right? Learning. Or what did you use to build it? It was. Do yeah. you remember? Oh yeah, that. Yeah, objective. I can imagine. That's. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's kind of tough. Yeah. That's a tough learning curve.
0: Yeah, especially coming from—I don't remember the timeline super well with where how where I was with Rails at that time, but de- like I definitely had done plenty of JavaScript and things. But so like getting into like handling memory properly and memory like crashes mm. and stuff—I was yeah. over my head
1: recently have you thought of any ideas that would require an an iPhone app and is that like
0: some like a trade-off you have to weigh? You know no. And I don't know if it's because my brain is now just trained to like not go there because I know it's too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> um but I also just like I my, my mind is generally on on just like the web mm. SaaS side. Mm. Uh Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going yeah. to stick to something I'm capable of.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, right. It's a little different. Like I feel like the app store process makes it a lot different because with like web development, you yeah. can just openly like build something and throw just, it out.
0: Totally. Yeah. You can just deploy it. I can have something up in 10 minutes from now and yeah. not with the app store.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's like a... Um, a barrier to entry that's introduced
0: yeah yeah it's true
1: but all right thank you again mac for coming on the show where can the people
0: find you a few places i'm pretty active on twitter and my username there is sassmaker mac s-a-a-s-m-a-k-e-r mac m-a-c uh I, I uh, also, my website is MacMartine.com and we can, maybe do you have show notes? We can put that in, get the yeah, yeah, yeah. right. And then I have a newsletter called the Sass bootstrapper and the website for that one is the SAS mm. uh So those are the main places.
1: Thank you guys for listening to another episode of the I was Dead podcast. If you enjoyed the show, feel free to share this with a fellow developer. And if you want to support the show, you guys can leave a review on Apple podcasts or Spotify, whatever platform you're listening on. And even consider joining the Patreon. Lastly, check out iosdojo.io if you guys want to level up to your skills or have some courses there. Peace!